This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. And speaking of more, we are learning more and more that the culture of a company or organization has an incredible impact on its success. And according to brand building expert Denise Leon, companies like Southwest Airlines, Starbucks, Google, and others understand that the fusion between culture and brand is a driving force to their incredible levels of success in the last couple of decades. Denise brings forth these ideas in her new book, Fusion. How Integrating Brand and Culture Powers the World's Greatest Companies. And it's great to have Denise back on the show. Hello, Denise. Hello, Dan. Great to catch up with you again. Uh, I'm so excited. Thank you. No, no problem. Uh, this obviously is part of, of your realm that you delve into uh, on, on a day-to-day basis. Take us into just the, the idea behind bringing culture and brand together and when we really started to see this shift in earnest now? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that brands have always been built by more than external communications. And my first book, What Great Brands Do, talked about how great brands start inside, meaning they start brand building by cultivating a strong brand-led culture. Because culture is really what determines whether you actually deliver on your brand promise. And so, but, but as I started to work more and more with my clients, um, frankly, you know, I found the ones that were most successful were the ones that saw the need to align and integrate brand and culture and the ones that didn't kept them very separate. So that's what led me to this book. So what is it that, that some companies are doing where that, that, that uh, intersection of brand and culture is uh, that, that is so effective on a day-to-day basis? Well, they really don't see a difference between the two in, in many ways. You know, um, for, for many of these companies, it's almost um, intuitive or, or integrated into the way they, they just think and they approach their business. They know that they have to be on the inside what they say they are on the outside. And so it just be, it becomes very natural for some business leaders to run the organizations that way. But, but for many others, they, they separate the two. You know, they delegate brand building to marketing and uh, delegate culture building to human resources. And so then the ne- never the two shall meet. And that creates a big gap between how a company wants to be perceived and how it really is. And what's the impact on, on the company when they don't seemingly bring those two sides together? Right. Well, first of all, it, it can really damage a company. And um, take, for example, the recent uh, scandal at Wells Fargo, where it was revealed that employees were opening fake checking and, and yep. uh, credit card and banking accounts for, for their customers. And employees were doing this because they were under incredible pressure to make certain numbers that their management had had set for them. And while that in alone is is a you know disturbing practice, I think what was particularly surprising was that this is coming from Wells Fargo, which is a which is a company that's always had this very wholesome brand image, um, you know, the stagecoach and the old-fashioned logo and the holiday ads with snowmen working hard to get your packages to your kids on time. 
even through the financial crisis, I think that Wells Fargo had maintained a really solid reputation as a very wholesome, um, values-oriented company. And yet, we now find, thanks to the investigation, we find out what the company was really like. So there's a real loss of trust that happens. And in fact, I saw recently that Wells Fargo dropped from being in the top 20% of brands in customer trust to the bottom half. But what's more, you know, is their financial performance. They, I think they, uh, their net income dropped um, 5%, while the average of all other U.S. banks rose 14%. Uh-huh. Um, they lost market share in, in most states. So, so this disconnect, I think, has serious ramifications. Uh, you know, and, and even if they're not, even if the consequences aren't that serious, there can just be a lot of waste. You know, I think a lot of companies realize that culture building is important, but they waste a lot of time and money and effort, you know, buying foosball tables for their break rooms and <laughs> offering free beer on Fridays. Right. And those things, you know, are, are fine. You know, they might make your employees happy, but they're not necessarily going to make your employees uh, produce the results that you want them to. And so it can result in a lot of waste and on top of that risk and poor performance. But, it, you know, when you talk about those specific examples, that that's part of just kind of the shift of what, you know, having millennial leaders in some companies is really yeah. uh, all about today. And, and to a degree, I think there's a lot of people that believe that you need to almost kind of find a middle ground in terms of culture. Uh, you know, having that that respectful nature that a lot of people assume should be in companies to begin with. But I mean, heck, we, we have more and more companies that do casual Fridays these days. Right, right. And, you know, those kinds of perks and and benefits and and policies are are almost table stakes at this point. You know, I I live in San Francisco, and so certainly in this area of the country, you know, offering those kinds of things, you you can't be a a successful employer if you don't. So there's a certain baseline, right? But I think that the opportunity is to identify what are the unique cultural aspects that you need to cultivate in your company so that you get the unique results that you want. You know, if you if you operate, if you have the same kind of culture that every other company has, you're going to have the same kind of performance that every other company has. What about a company like Nike? Because Nike obviously is a, is a huge global brand. Uh, they are seen as, as one of the leaders uh, in the sports apparel and, and footwear territory, yet they are a company that has had to deal with a variety of issues over the years with, you know, the concerns of, uh, of people making their materials in other parts of the world for or, you know, little to no money whatsoever. Right. And, you know, I think that that's when having a strong purpose and a strong set of values comes into play, because I think that what happens is when you have those and you're not necessarily or when you when you state those, you're not necessarily operating by them. People will call you on the carpet. Right. And, and, you know, I think that fortunately, Nike uh, was able to turn around these well, poor practices with their workers' conditions to the point where they are now one of the leaders, I think, in advocating and ensuring that, that the workplace conditions are um, healthy and sustainable. But, you know, it, it, you need to start off with saying, you know, what do we believe in? And what, what do we want to first hold ourselves accountable for? And then what do we want to tell our customers and other stakeholders that you can expect from us as well? But it seems like as, as you kind of lay out the 
book that even though even if you have companies that aren't necessarily following this pattern, that it's not something that they can't change and adjust to uh, over a reasonable period of time. Correct. They can they can make the shift to really bring culture and brand together. Absolutely. And that's why I wrote this book, because I think that there's a lot of rhetoric out there about culture building, but not a lot of instruction necessarily. And so I wanted to lay out for folks, what are the specific steps that they can take if they want to align their brand and culture? Um, you know, what are what can you as a, as a business leader do? And so the book outlines um, how you lay the foundation for achieving brand culture fusion, and then it goes through five steps or strategies that you can take to achieve it. Which are? Okay. So let me talk, just talk about the foundation really, okay. really quickly because yep. I don't think you can get to the steps without the foundation. Okay. Two things on the foundation. One is you need to have an overarching purpose and a single set of core values for your organization. Okay. So why do you exist? And then how are you going to operate? And again, you want those to be unique so that you are really embracing or you're, you're reinforcing what are the things that are going to um, distinguish you as a company and as a brand. The second foundational element is for the business leader themselves to take responsibility for culture building. Because I think, again, oftentimes it's seen as something that, that business leaders can kind of delegate to other folks or they think that it happens kind of organically. And so you, know, you just say it and it will happen. And um, it's quite to the contrary. You need to be very deliberate both in your actions, your communication, and then taking these five steps. So the five steps to achieving brand culture fusion, the first is to organize and operate on brand. I mean, use your organizational design and your operational processes to cultivate your, your cultural priorities. Um, and, and Dan, should I kind of go through all five? Yeah, that's fine. Back or yeah. okay. no. The second, the second strategy is to create culture-changing employee experiences. Just as you want to deliberately design customer experience, you want to deliberately design your employee experience so that your employees experience the culture that you're creating. Sure. Yeah. Third is to sweat the small stuff in the way you run your company, your policies, your procedures, your rituals, artifacts, all the little things that can add up to make a big impact on your culture. Um, The fourth strategy is to ignite your transformation through employee brand engagement, not just general employee engagement, really engaging employees with your brand. And then the fifth strategy is to build your brand from the inside out. Look for ways that you can actually use your culture to differentiate and define your brand. All right, so those let, are the five steps. Let me let me go back on on a couple of these because with mm-hmm. with employee experiences, I think more and more companies, and it's been written about you have done it, and, and other people have done it, that the experience that the employee has is an unbelievably vital piece to business success. Because part of it yeah. is, one, the person liking where they are and feeling like they are doing good work. But the other part of it is so many companies now are worried about losing people and the the time and the investment you have to put into finding a new employee to fill that job if that person leaves. Absolutely. And those are two reasons why it's so critical for you to... Uh, engage in employee experience design and management. And I'll add a third, which is that you can't expect your employees to deliver to customers what they don't experience themselves. Right. 
And that's, you know, if you, you know, if you want your if you want your employees to, um, you know, treat your customers, uh, you know, with grace and respect and service and humility, but you're beating down your employees every day, you know, good luck with that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe a less extreme would be like if you want to create a customer experience that is technology enabled and seamless and, um, you know, really uh, is integrated, but then. You know, on the back of the house, your employees are struggling with tons of paperwork and outdated systems. They're not going to be able to translate, you know, what you want them to do into that customer experience. Well, it's funny because, you know, when you think about it, uh, the relationship between, and a lot of times it's a brief one, between the customer and whoever that point person is for for the company is unbelievably, unbelievably vital. And I just think back a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, running through a fast food restaurant uh, through the drive-through to get something on on the run, and my experience with the people that were there was horrible. And <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure there are there are sectors out there where it is a greater challenge to have that good relationship uh, more so than others. But there's one industry which relies on customers, and seemingly more and more. It pops up as a problem, even though companies realize that they have to address it. Yes, and it's, it's becoming so apparent as a customer. You can you you just feel that you just know that. And you know, even in organizations and companies where, or you know, it, I would say even with employees that don't necessarily directly interface with your customers, they make decisions, uh, you know, and implement actions that impact your customers. I mean, think about someone in, in your legal department that, um, you know, manages contracts for, for your clients, for yeah. example. If they, aren't, if they aren't oriented towards the customer experience that you want, that you want your salespeople to create with your customer, they're, they're going to wreak a lot of havoc on, on, the, on the contracting process. I mean, every single employee, every single organization needs to pay attention to employee experience. Well, going back to core values for a second, I, I think it's I think it's a very good thing uh, that more and more companies are realizing that whatever those core values are that they want to promote, that that discussion is going on because probably if you went back thirty or forty years, that was not a topic of conversation for the most part. Well, no, and you know I think that it was just kind of assumed that okay. You know, people with would know what you know, know to do the right thing, or you know, know kind of what the company valued. But I think a couple things have happened. One, um, there's been a lot more turnover and fluidity in the workforce, so you don't have people who stay with your companies over a long period of time. So you don't have that kind of organizational, you know, glue that naturally happens. Right. Um, but two, your customers and other people from the outside have way more visibility into your company now, and so they are starting to question, well, what are your values and, and how are you operating and what distinguishes you from someone else who, you know, your products may be very similar, so why should I buy from you? And so they want right. to know, is there something unique about your company that, that would influence their purchase? So, so who are some of your best examples of, of companies that have really figured this out? They have really gotten it. Yeah. Um, well, one of my favorites is Amazon um, because and the reason why I talk a lot about Amazon is because I think that most people maybe have some negative associations with Amazon's corporate culture arising from this New York Times article that was written a couple of years ago that yeah. really criticized the culture there. Um, 
But you know what was really interesting is that as many people who criticize Amazon for having what they um, what appeared to be a very, um, I think the Times called it like a bruising and painful culture, as many people who, who kind of said this is a toxic environment, many others came to Amazon's defense and said, you know what, no, this is an exciting and um, inspiring culture. You know, I, a lot of the existing employees at Amazon said, you know, we are pushed to to challenge ourselves and challenge each other, but that's a good thing and and that culture of of innovating and performing and challenging is what defines Amazon both as a business and then as a brand I mean the reason why we all love Amazon is because they are so focused on innovating for their customers so right. we benefit as customers and employees benefit because they are all working towards that same but that that idea of what makes a good culture is to do, to a degree. I mean, I guess there's similarities between between companies, but realistically, that's that's something that is specific to each particular country. Uh, country between each particular <laughs> company, and I, I would think the leaders of that company. Exactly, you know, and so that's the, I, that's one of the, the common problems or misperceptions that I find across business leaders is they assume that they need to have a one kind of culture, you know, because there is a lot of, uh, written about companies like Southwest, and so you know, you think you need to have warm, friendly, fun leaders who joke around a lot and, and you know and, and seem just to have a party all the time. And well, you know, that's great. That works for Southwest Airlines. But it's not going to work for a company that needs to be, you know, much more uh, standards and metrics and, and performance driven. And so it, it would just as it would be ridiculous to try to imitate someone else's brand, you don't want to imitate someone else's culture. You want to identify right. what, you know, how do we want our people to, to engage and then engage our customers. What do you think is the most important thing for, for leaders really to, to understand when they, when they get a chance to read the book? Yeah, I do think it is this, this idea of, of being unique and really doing the hard work to yeah. cultivate that unique culture. Because, it, you know, your culture, it's true that you can't mandate your culture. You can't force your employees to, cert, to, to you know, work in a certain way. But you can set up the environment, you know, through, the, through, like I said, organizational design, through your employee experience, through all these things that, um, that cultivate the, the certain kind of culture you want. But it's not going to happen if you don't take responsibility for it, if you don't drive it, if you don't champion it. Denise, as always, great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for the conversation, Dan. Thank you. Denise Leon, the book, uh, again, is uh, titled Fusion, How Integrating Brand and Culture Powers the World's Greatest Companies. It is uh, available in bookstores and online now for your purchase. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 